Welcome everyone to the Cyber Security Podcast. It's the Cybersecurity Podcast with a little extra BS. So my name is Nathaniel Dick. I'm going to be one of the co-hosts here on the podcast. I've been in the IT industry for about eight or so years. I started in, in kind of my college days getting into IT and a computer science degree and then moved to an engineering company where I started getting more into IT and then ultimately now I manage the IT and cybersecurity for that company. So just really passionate about engaging with stakeholders about cybersecurity and really how to train people, how to bring awareness about cybersecurity. It's, it's the people aspect of really cybersecurity and IT even that's so relevant. So I like to, I've got um, a wife and then one kid. We have a lot of fun just doing things with um, her and just doing hiking. We like to go hiking. Um, I like to go running. Andrew? Yeah, and I'm Andrew Nuxel, the co-host uh, Nathaniel, and I've been in the IT industry for around 25 years now, so a little bit longer, but done a little bit of everything. I started just as a, a technician pulling cables and doing basic sysadmin, moved to network administration, so on and so forth, and ultimately landed in a role that's mostly cybersecurity-centric. Uh, so... Like Nathaniel, I agree. You know, the people element is such a huge aspect of cybersecurity and uh, a key area of focus. So really want to hone in on that. We have some really good ideas for topics that we'll jump into. I also am in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. We both are transplants from the Midwest. or Up north. <laughs> up north in, in yeah. Nathaniel's case. But, uh, so interesting that that we ended up together yeah i'm married and and have three kids four grandkids and pretty much anything related to travel and outdoors and really enjoying the the climate and opportunities down here one of the things that that's great about this area is not too far from the beach not too far from the mountains you can find a little bit of everything here so mm -hmm. we're fortunate in that regard we really are and yeah. all the hiking trails around charlotte it's really nice the yeah. Yeah, so I know that uh, one of the things we want to touch on every week are some of the most relevant and timely discussions around cybersecurity news and breaches. So what do we have there? Yeah, so today we want to touch on a pretty relevant topic. So it kind of intersects with a compliance, actually, in a pretty massive a ransom attack. So MGM, uh, Caesar Casino. Um, as many of you probably already know, was hacked. And that was in September and August, it sounds like. And so now they're kind of cleaning up from that. And it kind of just highlights of that compliance piece too, because they had to, during the SEC, they had to file a, a regulatory filing with that too. So interesting how that occurred. It sounds like it occurred via some sort of social engineering attack. Um, they were able to gain access and targeted the Caesars Entertainment and paid 10, the now Caesars Entertainment has paid tens of millions in ransom to the cyber attackers. So not a lot of wins there. seems like we're kind of taking a loss in the cybersecurity scope of things. I think really interesting. Social engineering is just such a prominent threat vector these days. Uh, like we both started to touch on, the human element is is always so important and in most cases it's the weakest link to, to getting in and there are some very clever 
individuals out there, attackers. And it sounds like in in both of these cases, both Caesars and MGM, it involved identity management and single sign-on as a, a potential vector. So spoofing that or simulating, I guess, pretexting, however they got to it, but impersonating technical representative from one of these IDM vendors and and convincing someone on the help desk to to change a password or, or grant access to them and ultimately getting the keys to the kingdom. And like you said, it's it's uh it resulted in a very bad day, I think, for it sounds a lot like the Uber hack last year. About the same time. Yeah. The overwhelm MFA's prompts to one of the IT people and they just clicked approve. I wonder if we're not training our lower level down IT people. Hey, you got to be aware. Don't just approve everything. I think a lot of times they're probably overwhelmed with just what they're doing. That probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I would agree. I think that that's so frequently the the root cause of these issues are people are generally in cybersecurity specifically, but but not unique there uh, for sure. But busy handling a number of tasks. And so when you see something that you see regularly or you think it's just a, a normal thing, you almost act on muscle memory. You don't even make a decision. So um, uh, I was telling a story. The first fishing simulation that that I ever saw, and I fell for it, this was six or seven years ago, um, was well done, but uh, the main reason I fell for it was I was driving back and forth between locations, an alert goes off on my phone, I, I opened the email, clicked the link without even looking at the header, and, and there you yep. are. And, and you know, fortunately, in that circumstance, it was a, a fish that uh, simulation that I learned from. But but being busy, multitasking, having you know, feeling overwhelmed generally leads to a lot of poor behavior. Yeah, it's just yeah. I think a lot of IT is overwhelmed, and yeah, that's a good example of what could have happened in this attack and then probably will continue to happen. So I don't know. What what do you think, Andrew, about they paid the ransom? It sounds like they negotiated down to 15 million. What are your thoughts on that? With it was O30, they got 15 million now. Yeah. The FBI advises not to. Sounds like that makes a lot of sense for law enforcement to say don't pay the ransom because they're just encouraging future attacks. What I think there are two two important factors playing in here. The first is it becomes a business decision when you're a company that large. Mm-hmm. How much money do you think one of these? And both of the casinos apparently paid both uh, institutions yeah. paid paid ransoms. And uh, so, how much money are you going to lose? It, it starts getting thought of in terms of economics, and it's hard as a leader of a business to say, "Oh, I can either." pay $5 and have this over with uh, or lose $100. And, and that were, was a, along the lines of the estimates that I saw. They expected that uh, they'd lose five, anywhere from five to 20 times as much money if they didn't pay the ransom to get 
access yeah. back to their data. The second factor that I think plays into this and drives the decision-making process a lot of times is cyber insurance. So there are some cyber insurance agencies that are in place that have the the thought process that we should just pay the ransom. It you know that that's going to cause us the least amount of impact from an economic perspective. It sounds like I'm just looking it up. One of Caesar's insurance carriers is the one that has been believed to pay the Scattered Spider hacking group and. Yeah, you're right. They did an analysis. Um, they had a $200 million cyber policy. I wonder, too, you talked about the cyber insurance. It's very hard to get cyber insurance right now. You can do it, but a lot of carriers are backing out. I remember like three or four years ago, you could just sign up and you didn't really have to fill out a lot. Now you have to fill out everything. You're right. It's hard to get insurance. You have to jump through a lot of hoops, but you see the same thing with with uh, hurricanes and, and yeah, yeah. there have been a number of news stories in uh, about Florida recently where homeowners can't even get insurance policies through many companies. Yeah. A lot of companies are pulling out because there's so much uh, risk of, of natural disaster and it's similar in the, the cyber industry. It's becoming so prevalent that, that, ransomware gets uh, deployed or there's some sort of security breach or incident and uh, it's, they're they're making it much more difficult much more expensive this past year at least uh, the people i've talked to found that rates were about the same uh, over the course of the past calendar year but like you're saying all of a sudden a dramatic shift and i'm sure that these breaches are going to have a direct impact on what options are available, how much it costs, and so on. And another thing that I thought was interesting about this, and we mentioned a little bit, is they used a pretty standard way of getting in, and that's through social media. They used the LinkedIn, looked up the help desk person to target them. What do we put on LinkedIn? How much should like we even list? Yeah. Here is our company, and I work for IT, and it helped us specifically. <laughs> That can open up a lot of holes right away. Yeah, I think it's worthwhile as an organization, especially if you have any ends with human resources or people and culture teams, to perhaps at least provide some guidance as to appropriate use on professional social media. Social media in general, I'm sure it's a topic we'll dive into in future episodes, but yeah, it definitely is a gateway to to some bad things. I believe Caesars happened first, MGM was second. As you mentioned, because they both are publicly traded, they have to file paperwork uh, around these breaches. But it seemed to me like Caesars wasn't really going to go public with their information any more quickly than they had to. They were trying to be very quiet about it, paying a ransom, you know, move, moving on. Uh, MGM came out with it right away. And why was that? Was it because they it was so widely known that their customers couldn't get into their rooms in many of their resorts? So it, it impacted everything from the video gambling machines, poker machines, and, and so on, to ATMs that were attached to their network, to door keys. So I think that they probably knew it was inevitable that, that it kind of 
come out. And I don't know if Caesars just made a much more rapid decision in paying the ransom or what the case was. But the way they disclosed this information or how quickly it came out from each respective yeah. organization was quite different. Right. That's a good point. And I think, well, now there's going to be a mandatory SEC filing. I would assume that that's going to impact both of these companies in the future. Yeah. And probably did to some extent in these filings. And so, yeah, reading the Form 8K, just looking at Caesars Entertainment, they don't go into a lot of detail, but yeah, at least they told people what happened. I think that's that transparency piece. We don't want organizations just trying to cover up hacks. And in their case, too, it was personal identifiable information, which probably, like you said, led them to be a little bit more concerned that they were reporting it as there's some specific requirements around PII that, that you need to report to. So, yeah, it, it's strange just how differently all these organizations and not to go off on a tangent, but have you heard about the Luxottica breach? No, not really. So this was one, it looks like it started uh, back in 2021. Apparently, by way of a vendor, an attacker got access to their information. And if you're not familiar with Luxottica, they own pretty much every eyeglass brand in the world. They have a monopoly on on it for all intents and purposes. Uh, their main headquarters, I believe, is in Italy. They have American headquarters as well. But they they also own IMED. Uh, which is, you know, uh, I won't call it necessarily an insurance program, but but they provide benefits to individuals who are, or in many cases, organization, uh, and they own lens crafters. So there's a little bit of, of what I would guess is HIPAA-related data that's uh, in that breach. Long story short, this breach went on, it seems like, for over a year before they realized it was even going on, which isn't uncommon for data breaches these days. Right. If you read the Verizon reports and, and, and others, they'll say you know, it's, it's quite common for breaches to go on six months to a year before they're identified. Uh, so not unique in that scenario, but they go on for a year. They identify that it's happened. They don't disclose it to any of their members or impacted people. They're kind of investigating it on their own for several months. Mm -hmm. Then... The data is all publicly disclosed. They acknowledge they have a breach. They still haven't done anything about it. All indications are they haven't contacted anybody that's involved and so on. So you know, when you look at a, an attack like that, they're not being as transparent as I would think would be legally required, much less uh, you know, just good corporate citizens also. Uh, and right. You hate to pat somebody on the back for being transparent about a bunch of PII, but uh, being leaked. But in the case of Luxottica, it sounds like everything short of credit card numbers, social security numbers, names, addresses, phone numbers, emails, um, and potentially medically related information uh, was all disclosed. And they didn't really say anything about it and still aren't talking much about it. Yeah, those are two good examples of how maybe to do it or not to do it with reporting. I think we're seeing a lot of regulation around it too. And it's probably because there's been an inconsistent reporting response. And I think that's going to be increasingly the case. You see most of the U.S. regulation bodies now starting to enforce 
based on their jurisdiction. Uh, you got the SEC we talked about. We got FDA now this year, October 1, actually. You got a lot of different other organizations. Sure. What do you think, Andrew, about this uh, recent news that Cisco buys Splunk? $28 billion. That's yes. a big chunk of cash. That's a lot of money. Uh, you know, on one hand, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to be uh, partnered up and aligned. I'm interested just to see how it, it changes anything, if it does change anything in the way that that uh that splunk is utilized uh, on one hand i mean you'd think that cisco would be able to provide them some specific information that might make their offerings even more robust than they were before uh, on the other hand i won't say it's a conflict of interest that that they mm-hmm. own splunk but it's definitely uh, interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, now they're starting to have not only their switches and cybersecurity products and such, but now they have this massive logging system, which a lot of people use, and it's a really great tool. Cisco had a lot of robust tools as well. Was the best yeah. way for them to improve to invest $28 billion in another company? I mean, I, I think if they said, you know, we want to make our tool set better, Let's spend five billion on uh, investing in our own company. Could they have done it for for five billion? Twenty eight billion is hard to even imagine. It's hard to imagine how much yeah. a billion of anything is. It's, uh, well, I think you know maybe it's a branding thing too, because like I think at Cisco, it's like network switches, and you, you don't really go beyond that. But Splunk does have a pretty good brand in oh, yeah. the, the logging security piece too. I wonder if that has something to do with it, trying to get more of a cybersecurity product or vendor that they can now say, hey, we have Splunk. We're, we're experts here. Well, I think that wraps up the vulnerabilities of the week. Andrew, any closing thoughts? Really looking forward to the journey. I think we have a, a lot of great things to talk about. We'll have some good guests, uh, relevant topics. Hopefully it's helpful to, to the people watching and uh, you know, just really look forward to it. On that note, as we depart. Any big plans over the next couple of weeks before we meet again? Going to be headed back up to Michigan in a few weeks and just trying to get out and enjoy this fall. How about you? Um, next week is family vacation to Outer Banks. So oh, fun. whole family, the 18 of us together for part of it. And then coming back from that, turning around and going to an all-company retreat in Austin. And uh, it's just going to be a crazy couple of weeks, a lot of excitement. but, but That's great. Going to be running all over. So Sounds good. Well, Thanks, everyone, for hearing us. And if you guys have any feedback, please comment or send us a message. Thanks, Nathaniel. We'll talk soon.